Welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I'm a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. My guest today is Eugene Chung, a former 16-year offensive lineman for the NFL and assistant coach of the Super Bowl-winning Philadelphia Eagles. But first, the news. In tennis, Novak Djokovic just won Wimbledon, proving he really is no joke. He has shown everybody he does not care if you do like him or not. He will keep dominating the sport anyways. On another note, Rafael Nadal ended his run with another injury. I wonder how long he is going to keep putting his body on the line. Next, college football. Arch Manning, the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, just chose his college. It was shocking, but he chose the University of Texas at Austin. This is surprising because they already have Quinn Ewers, a transfer from Ohio State. This means that when Arch Manning does come to college in 2023, there will be a battle between these two stud quarterbacks. Finally, in flag football, the flag football world championship just happened. In the men's division, USA beat Italy for the gold medal in the first ever flag football men's world championship. USA's quarterback also threw for 196 yards and four touchdowns. Interesting fact, the field is only 30 yards long, so it's a very short distance and easy to get a touchdown. And on the women's side, Mexico defeated the United States to win the first ever gold medal in the women's flag football championship. The sport of flag football is rising and could become more popular in later years. Maybe even in the future, it could be an Olympic sport. Now, strange news alert. A young American tourist accidentally dropped his phone into the crater at Mount Vesuvius' peak. While scrambling down to reach the phone, the man lost his balance and fell several meters into the volcano. Local guys repelled down to rescue the man who was treated for cuts and bruises. A mountain rescue helicopter was also used to assist. I guess people really will do anything to save their phones, even go down into a volcano. After this, I hope he uses the song Pompeii as his ringtone. Well, that does it, folks, for the news. Welcome to the unscripted segment. Gabriel and I dish in fuego hot takes, left and right. And our first topic is... USC and UCLA shook the college sports world when they decided to go to the Big Ten. How many college conferences will there be in five years? I think there will be four conferences left. I think it's going to be the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. Oh, I agree with you. 
There will be four conferences in five years, but I believe it's going to be the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, and the best basketball conference, uh, Big 12, combined with the Pac-12, making it so they have roughly the same amount of colleges, just like the other conferences as at ACC, SEC, and Big Ten. And the next topic is... This year's baseball all-star game introduced a new rule. A tie game would be decided by a home run derby. Will we see this rule in the Major League regular season? Uh, I believe that this is an amazing rule for the all-star game, but I do not think they can put this into play for the MLB game. There are many ways which they can make the game shorter, but this is not a way, as it really is making a joke of the MLB. I highly disagree with you. This would be such a fun way to end an MLB game. I think more fans would show up if they included this in the MLB. It's such a great event at the All-Star game. I think this would be amazing. I, dis- I still have to disagree with you. I think this may be a good thing for minor league games, but this is really just making a joke of what the MLB is, the highest level of baseball. How? Because a lot of fans are expecting home runs, and if it's like the Royals-Tigers game where you get no home runs, this is where you get the home runs. No, but that's it's just making a joke of what the game is, as they are basically playing a video game, seeing who can hit the ball the furthest. Agree to disagree. The next topic is... Arch Manning chose the University of Texas instead of going to Mississippi, Tennessee, or Georgia. Was this the best landing spot for him? I think this was not a great spot for Arch Manning because Texas already has quarterbacks coming in and he will have to battle for his spot on the team. If he went to Mississippi, Tennessee, or Georgia, I don't think they would pick another quarterback I think they would stick with him, and he would already have the spot on the team. I disagree with you here. Texas has built up this offense, which is exactly what a a young quarterback needs. A team which has so many weapons, which Arch Manning can use, but also if he is struggling, they can hand the ball off. And a little competition never hurt anybody. And if he has to take a year off to learn from, from Quentin Ewers, who is one of the few quarterbacks to actually be rated higher than him in the recruiting process, I do not think that will hurt him. I think that will actually benefit Arch Manning, and that will make him a better quarterback, unlike walking into some of the dumpsters of Mississippi and Tennessee. Well, the next question is... Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen were all picked in the top 10 of the 2018 NFL Draft. Who will throw the most touchdowns this year from this group? And who will be the biggest bust? All right, so I believe uh, Baker Mayfield will throw the most touchdowns this year. And the biggest bust from this draft is obviously Josh Rosen. He is one of the biggest draft busts ever in the history of the NFL draft. He was supposed to be this amazing prospect, but he has been on more teams than years in the NFL. I disagree with the touchdowns and the bust. I think 
the most touchdowns would go to Sam Donald being a better quarterback in the years past. And I think the biggest bust is going to be Baker Mayfield. Mayfield has broken himself into I've bits got it. I, and pieces. I've got to disagree with you. Baker Mayfield led his team to a playoff. Josh Rosen is so bad. He started one year in the NFL, and that was a losing season. He did not lead them to the playoffs. He led them. And what did the next year? They, his team drafted a replacement for him with the first pick because Josh Rosen was that bad. Well, you know what? Guess whose number one wide receiver does not want him even on his team? Baker Mayfield. Josh Rosen is a backup quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. He's not even the starter. He's the third string. He's signed G- Deshaun Watson, who's going to be suspended, and Jacoby Brissett. They'd rather have Jarvis Landry play quarterback than Josh Rosen. And the final question is... Buzz Lightyear starred in his own movie this summer. Who was the real star of the movie Toy Story? I think, from the looks of it, it's got to be Mr. Potato Head. He is the star character. I mean, people don't say, oh, I got this collection of Woody dolls. No, they say, I'm making Mr. Potato Head look funny with all of the gadgets and stuff you can put on him. He was a prize seller. I think they marketed this story for Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. I disagree with you. Buzz Lightyear is the obvious choice here. Buzz Lightyear even has his own movie made after him based on his backstory before he, ret- before he enters into Toy Story. He is the obvious one. He's the greatest character of, in the movie, and he is obviously the main character in what the real story is about. Really? And that does it, folks, for Unscripted. Now it's time for me to interview Coach Chung. I'm with Eugene Chung. He played offensive line in the NFL for 16 years and was an assistant coach on the Super Bowl winning Philadelphia Eagles. Hi, Coach. How are you doing today? I'm great, Jonah. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I know you were a player, then a coach. What helped you decide to become a coach after you played? Well, uh, when I got done playing, um, there's two things. Everyone would ask me, where the, where the things you miss about being a player? And there's two things that you cannot replace uh, after playing at that such a high level is the competition and the camaraderie. Um, you know, you have 53 guys all with the same goal in mind, all like minds, um, same personalities, and the competition. I mean, you're playing in front of 75, 100,000 people every Sunday. It's it's tough to replace that with your intramural softball on the weekends, you know, your, that type thing. So when I, I had an opportunity um, come uh, 20, in 2010 with uh, Coach Andy Reid, he asked me if I'd want to come on board his staff. And, you know, I took that opportunity. And that's kind of the things that replace that uh, competition and, and come right in, in the order. Uh, so what got you into football at the first place? You know, it's, it's interesting. So I grew up and I played baseball. I was a football fan. I was a Steelers fan. And, you know, I always watched it as a kid and we always played the backyard type thing, but it wasn't until I didn't start playing until I got to high school. Um, so, you know, it was my eighth grade, uh, at the end of my eighth grade year and a high school coach came to talk to the kids about playing football. And my buddy and I went and said, Hey, let's, let's play, let's give it a shot. So it started from there. 
and then uh, I guess the, the love of the game really developed as I started to learn the game more and more because my first year as a freshman, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I thought I was a quarterback. I was a quarterback. You know, I thought I was a tight end. Yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of made me. But as I was, you know, a half foot bigger than everyone, all of my teammates, and probably fifty pounds more, you know, the offensive line. I started gravitating towards the offensive line, whether I liked it or not. So that's how it. That's how it all worked out and matriculated that way. So you said uh, earlier. You said you played baseball when you were a kid. Did you play any mm-hmm. other sports? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, in high school, I did track and also that I studied judo and taekwondo for a very long time. Uh, so those were my other sports too. Um, but you know, football was the one that was immediate, you know, immediate success. Um, and martial arts was more of a lifestyle for me. You were the 13th pick of the 1992 draft, the same year as Desmond Howard. Can you tell my audience about the experience of the draft and being drafted in the first round? Yeah, it, it was pretty amazing leading up to the draft. Um, teams were flying me all around for interviews, uh, physicals, uh, things like that. And, you know, looking at their facilities, their cities and things like that. Not that a player had a choice when they got drafted, but just to kind of create an excitement and a buzz for that team. Uh, it was amazing. Draft day was absolutely amazing. Um, that morning, I got a call from the Dallas Cowboys uh, and uh, I believe it was the owner of the Cowboys that called me and said, hey, we're sending a representative from the Cowboys. We're going to draft you today, and he's going to have a contract, and we want you to sign right before the draft, uh, right before we pick you. So that morning was was a whirlwind. I, I, I kind of kept in my same schedule, you know, had my you know morning breakfast, went to, you know, went to the chapel, whatnot. And uh, I was over at my offensive line coach's house. Uh, at the draft and they're sitting right there waiting for me was the guy from the Cowboys. So we started looking over the contract. I called my agent, that type of thing. So the Cowboys came up to their pick and all of a sudden the Patriots traded up to, for that 13th pick. Um, and then right from there, it just, it, it was a whirlwind, you know, the Patriots selected for the 13th pick, Eugene Chung, and I was shocked, you know, and the Cowboy representative was shocked. And next thing you know, I'm off to a plane, I'm off on a plane to Boston doing press conferences mm. and, and whatnot. So it was, so from like then on, my, my college amateur days and, and I guess not, not innocence, but the, uh, amateurism was, was over. It was press conference after press conference, interview after interview, you know, TV time after this. So it was pretty exciting. It, it was really exciting. Some players like want to be like the first pick. What pick mm-hmm. did you really have like in mind that you really like to be at? You know, that's it, it, tough to tell. I mean, at, at that time, I mean, the league was different back then. Uh, there was only 28 teams. So, I mean, it's, if you were in the first round, that's great. I mean, you know, if you're in the top 10, so, you know, you go by tiers, top 10, top 20, top, you know, okay, or 28, but, you know, as long as you were in the first round, I mean, you look as a player and you're keeping things in perspective, you know, you always, you want the earlier, the better, you know, 13 is great. I'm not complaining at all. Believe me, 13 pick out of the whole entire country is, it was pretty amazing. So, um, that's, you know, that was, that, that's how it was leading into the draft. You played for five NFL teams, including the Patriots who drafted you. Did you ever have, like, a favorite team? Uh, the Patriots were great. Boston was a great city. Uh, you know, the, the, the love will always be there for the Patriots. You know, just to see how far that organization and franchise has come. 
Um, you know, I finished my career with Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid. And there's something about Philadelphia also. And me going back there coaching uh, made it that much more special. But, you know, each team and each organization, it's privileged to be able to play in that league and then, uh, and play well. So it's it, the memories and all, and all the things that went on with it. It's, it's hard to put one in front of the other. You know, if you were to stack them and rate them, I mean, each city had its own unique uh, quality to it. So it was a lot of fun. All right. So when you were assistant coach of the Eagles, you won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. That's right. Like, did you have any like tension or like this feel good moments right there? Oh, just winning the Super Bowl was a feel good moment in itself. You know, by that time you start, you're no longer really a fan. It's, it's work and you have one thing and, and you have one goal in mind is to win the big game. Mm-hmm. I know at media day that created quite a buzz, um, right. you know, at Super Bowl media day, I was former Patriot now coaching against the team that I originally played for. So, and there was still a lot of people from the carryover, um, that were still with the Patriots coaching wise and everything. So it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Media day was a lot of fun for me that day. And a lot of questions came up with that. Um, it, it was just an amazing time. So I'm not taking away from the win with the Patriots or, or, mm-hmm. or the Eagles, but just being there, getting into that game, people don't realize how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl and then to win it. Yeah. You know, so that's where I have a lot of respect for the Patriots because they were, I mean, I think they won Super Bowl the next year. You know, they were there again. So it's the, the amount of time and effort that goes into a season like that is uh, is amazing. It's hard to be going out there, play after play, each time believing you can beat the person across from you. Were there any players that you dreaded having to block? Oh, I think it was like every one, every Sunday, you know, <laughs> because because they were the best of the best, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I got a week off, we're playing 49ers. Or we got the, we got the you know, oh, this is a cakewalk. This is a give me uh, alley-oop slam dunk because we're playing the Colts. Every every week was 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 a challenge i mean you're you're facing the best of, of the best of that position so um it, it was pretty amazing but if there's you know, there were some players that were better than others i mean you look at like bruce smith uh, your john randall's guys like that yeah. during that era that you know they're all in the hall of fame now. and you know you played against those guys reggie white um and that was an amazing part about that was you know playing against guys that i watched on tv growing up um that was pretty cool the locker room was a big thing. Morale is a big thing, but it's usually a tight knit place, like the locker. Mm. What makes someone a good teammate and who did you enjoy playing with the most? Oh my gosh. That's a great, great question. I mean, it, it is the locker room is kind of like the sanctuary for, for a player, you know, it's a safe zone where you can sit there and you can, you can vent, you can, you know, just talk and just be yourself. You know, you didn't have to have be on guard all the time. Um, I mean, some of my favorite players are, are my best friends today. You know, there was Pat Harlow, um, Bruce Armstrong, Drew Bledsoe, um, guys I still talk to to this day. Um, and we and we just tell them. I mean, now it's we're at that age now where we just tell stories about remember when we did this or remember during this game. So it's really cool. But when you build that bond with players, I mean, it's and that continuity. You got it's it's a hard thing to understand. At the same time, when you have that bond, with guys. You guys are, you become brothers, you know, and you, and basically we're going into battle every, every Sunday and we got each other's back. We always say, I got your back. So we, you know, you take care of each other that way. And even to this day, we always check in on each other to see how everything's going. 
So the announcer is always like, after have them, oh, I wonder what the halftime speeches for this team like to improve. Have you ever been like scared of a coach going into halftime expecting a big speech, or have you ever given a big speech? You know, uh, receiving the big speech, it's like the halftime isn't as uh, as intimidating as people would think. Sometimes, I mean, the coach yells and. and just to get them going, to get, get a reaction out of them, to get that blood and the juices flowing again. But most of the time it was, look, make corrections. Look, there's a whole other half to play. That's where I think the good coaches who are good teachers also know how to uh, get the players to react to them. So to, to yell and scream, I, I, for me, that's counterproductive. Um, it's just making those uh, making those adjustments to put the players in the best, best position possible you know, on every level. Um, it, it works out. I think it works out better. At least for me, it did. Okay. Um, so did your perspective in the game change when you became a coach? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I thought I knew a lot of football as a player, but when I became a coach, I realized how much I didn't know. <laughs> you know, there's so much more that goes on beyond practice in the game. It's just the, the game planning, the strategic uh, thinking, and, you know, the accelerated vision you have to have. It's like a chess game. You know, you have to think about your opponent's move, two, two moves ahead. You know, you have a good idea going into a game when you game plan. Um, but you have to think, okay, what if? And, you know, there's always the what ifs, you know. So, and you, you make your best educated guess just going on a gut feeling. And then you have to really consider your personnel and your players on if we're able to adjust to that. If not, then we have to go a different direction and, and make those adjustments. Since you were a player and then you became a coach, does do you do you think you have a slight advantage over some coaches because they some coaches did not play professionally? Do you think you have a slight edge? Yeah, oh absolutely, absolutely. Because then being a coach, you can also be and being a player, you can be in a player's mind also. Because you know what you were thinking as a player and as a coach, you know, it's so it's it's a it's a uh it's a, it's a definite advantage. You know the limits of a player, the limits of a player's ability, their body, and their mind. And being a former player, and then being a coach, you know what will work, what won't work, uh, what they can handle, you know the workload, and uh, just and the mental part about it. That's that's the advantage of being a former player, and 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 then just being a, a straight out coach, knowing you know, and, and it just goes more, it goes deeper than that. It goes into the fundamentals, the technique. Um, those little tricks of the trade where if you had never done it, you really don't know how to coach it so much. Where here, being a former player, I know how to coach something a little differently, but that just gives you that little bit of the edge. And as you know, football is a game of inches, you know, when it comes to being successful. Yes. So do you still wear that, right? You want it for the Super Bowl? Do you still wear it? Oh, yeah. I'll wear it during special occasions, um, if I'm giving speeches, things like that. It's so so big and bulky during you saw it i mean it, it, it's a little uncomfortable at times but you know at, at the same time it's you know it's something i wish you know i would wear every day just because it, it's like a badge of honor almost knowing that you know you're a world champion of what you did so and it's a lot of pride i mean that that team was a special team and that that ring symbolized so much more than just a win what message would you give to kids who want to play football or any other sport at the college or professional level? Yeah, it's, you know what? At the, it's, it's do everything you can to be successful. Work as hard as you can. Sometimes it, your career might end in high school. Sometimes it might end 
you know, in college, but at the end of the day, you have to look yourself in the mirror and you have to ask yourself, did I do everything I could possible to be the player I wanted to be? And that's how, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's where it goes right there. I always wish players luck, but I told them luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That's luck right there. You know, so if you're prepared and that opportunity comes, you're prepared for it. You know, if you've done the work, the, the hard behind the scenes work where no one's watching, you know, so it's, you always ask yourself, you know, am I going to work just as hard if no one's watching me work? You know, and that, that, that answer has to be yes for these players. Okay. Well, thank you, coach, for this amazing interview. Now it's time for me to give you a this or that rapid fire quiz. Are you <laughs> okay. Here we go. Okay. I said it. Cats or dogs? Oh, man. Uh, both. I have one of both, so. Marvel or DC? Oh, Marvel. Chair or couch? Uh, couch. Car or motorcycle? Uh, both. Uh, but I'll go with a car here, like, because it's so hot in Naples. Prime video or Netflix? You're killing me, Jonah. This is good stuff. Netflix. Hot dog or hamburger? Ooh, good hamburger. Baseball or basketball? Baseball. Pool or beach? Pool. Inside or outside? Depending on where we are, but I like to be outside right now, not outside. <laughs> and would you rather be a coach or a player? Oh, player. Player. That's the glory right there. And finally, my audience really wants to know, what is your highest score in bowling? Oh, in bowling? I think like 180, 180, 190. That's really good. But thank you. Thank you again, Coach. Absolutely. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Love your podcast, man. Love it. Okay, buddy. Thank you, Coach Chung, for that amazing interview. Now it is time for one of our favorite segments, the draft, where we use a sports-style draft to explore a new subject each episode. This episode's topic is fruit. Gabriel, you can go first. Thank you, Jonah. With the first pick, and on my big board, I have the peach. It is the best fruit, even though it is only ripe in certain seasons. It is delicious. The fuzzy, delicious outside and the juicy inside with only one pit so you do not have to keep spitting out seeds. Well, with my number one pick, it's got to be the cherry because they are so juicy and delicious. Even though they are underrated by some people, I think they're worth the number one pick. I've got to disagree with you there. They are way too messy to deserve the number one pick. They get all over you and they make you look like a murder scene. Exactly. That's the fun part. But with my with my second pick, I am taking the pineapple. It is obviously one of the best foods. It is just below the peach. The inside is such a tropical flavor. It is amazing. Even though you cannot eat the outside because it's so spiky, the inside is so good. It is the best fruit besides the peach. Well, you know what? That is terribly wrong because the best fruit for the number for the second pick has got to be the strawberry. It is the best fruit to dip in chocolate and it is juicy and delicious. It's also the color red. 
which is the best root color. I gotta disagree with you here. The strawberry is always so overrated as it's in so many disgusting combos such as strawberry banana and strawberry kiwi. People overuse it and that is why it is not even deserving of a top five pick. Okay, with the third pick, I am taking blueberries. Blueberries, it is delicious. That They are small and you can eat mass quantities at them without getting sick. They make a little mess and they are just delicious all together. You can have them in muffins, cookies, scones, anything, pancakes even if you want it. If you think you can put blueberries in it, you can and it will be delicious. You are absolutely right on everything, but it does make a mess. You, if you eat so much, your mouth turns blue. That's even messier than cherries. Who wants your mouth to turn blue? You want it to be normal red or blue? You want it to be red. And with my third pick, going the theme of red, we got the raspberry. Oh yeah, they're sweet and sour. It's the best combination of fruit. Right, I'm gonna use you there. Raspberry is a good pick there. For my fourth pick, I'm taking it, brother, the blackberry. The blackberry is a delicious fruit. It is sometimes overpriced, but it's so good. Its delicate taste is amazing. And it is just below a raspberry in the rankings. With my fourth pick, I'm going to go with the unexpected Dragon Fruit. It's got a really cool name as it's called the Dragon Fruit. I mean, this got to be the most feared fruit by anyone just because of its name. I like Dragon Fruit in some of my drinks, but it is not a fruit I would choose to eat. If I had 10 different fruits in front of me, I'd be taking all nine of them before the Dragon Fruit. Dragon fruit may look cool, but it's not deserving to be on this list. With my fifth pick, I am taking the avocado. Even though pe may, some people may say it's not a fruit, well, you are wrong. It has a pit, and it is a top five fruit. You can make guacamole with it, put it on tacos. You can eat it by itself, just lightly salted. It is delicious, and it is one of the best fruits, and that is why I am taking it with my fifth pick. Well, with my fifth pick, I'm going to go on the same side as you. I'm going with the pumpkin. Be my thing. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable. Well, you know what? During Halloween, it's the best fruit ever. You can carve it into anything you want. Uh, okay, okay. As much as I love anything pumpkin spice, I did not have a pumpkin on my big board. But well, exactly. You were one of the people who said, it's the vegetable. Well, you know what? Scientifically speaking, it's a fruit. Okay. It's got seed. Okay. Who with the sixth pick, I'm surprised this is even still there. It is a banana. Banana is a great fruit. Especially a banana in a banana bread is delicious. That is why I am drafting it here sixth. And I cannot believe that, that is, it is still available so late in the draft. I can't believe my sixth fruit is, on, is in the draft. It's the small, yummy, delicious kiwi. It is so good. Oh my god. I cannot, I forgot about this one. I still can't believe it has not been taken. With my last pick in this fruit draft, I am taking one of the most historic 
fruits ever with so many different types. I cannot name them all in a minute. It is the apple. No one can say no to a good apple. With honey, oh, that's even better. And it is the best. It, it is even part of one of the most important Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah. That is why with my last pick, I have taken an apple. You took my pick. You took my pick. That was going to be my last pick. But I'm going to take something that you eat during the summertime, which we are still in. That's right. I'm talking about the underdog, the seventh rounder, Mr. Irrelevant, the watermelon. It is the best melon there is on this planet. I've got this to get to. I am not a fan of any melon to begin with. I, I do not like one month. I thought it deserved to not even be drafted. I thought it deserved to be an undrafted free agent, and it is not that good of the fruit. It is probably the most overrated fruit we have. I said that about the strawberry. Well, I'm wrong. The watermelon is the most overrated fruit. Well, you know what? It's a hidden gem. My draft team has scouted out this watermelon, and the watermelon looks better than even the apple. The apple is too generic okay everyone's like oh an apple's a fruit an apple's a fruit well you know what no one talks about the hidden gem the watermelon and that does it folks for the draft dm us on instagram to see what was your top pick of fruit now what would sports talk be without lists bubkets now here is my list of the day Top five things to dip in chocolate. Number five, grasshoppers. You have to go to Seattle and to a Mariners game to get some chocolate-covered grasshoppers. They are a delicacy. Number four, strawberries. They are one of the best fruits to dip in chocolate. Number three, marshmallows. It's even better than s'mores. Number two, churros. It's easy math. Fried dough plus cinnamon plus chocolate equals yum. And the number one thing to dip in chocolate is pretzels. The number one, it will always be the number one thing to dip in chocolate. Well, that does it, folks, for the little man big mouth podcast check out our next episode when it drops until then see ya follow the show on insta at little man big mouth show and subscribe to future episodes on your favorite podcast providers the little man big mouth podcast is an exclusive creation of Hefeweizen Podcast Productions.